Good day. It's always good to preach God's Word to you, and um, we're starting a new series today, and we're going to get into that. But can you believe it's already December? I, I can't believe that it's December. I, you know, every year it feels like, like it gets to December, and I think to myself, what, where's the time gone? I can't believe it's December, and this year has been an absolute blur. I think that I still feel like I'm in, in April, but, um, but it's clear now, as my family, they love Christmas, I know that December is here, and we do love Christmas. My daughters love Christmas. You know, they buy all their presents in November, they take them, they don't even wait until December, so you can pray for them for, for endurance and patience, but, um, but it's a special time for us. You know what's a special time? It's a special time because we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. And you know, he may not have been born on the 25th of December, but that's not the point. The point is that there's this fixed time in our year where we, we stand still and the world acknowledges that Jesus Christ was born on this day. And so that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that, that it's about family and it's about loving each other over this time, spending so much time with family. So enjoy this time. Enjoy your family. And remember this. It, if you are going to give gifts, that's fantastic. But remember to give a gift to somebody who's less fortunate than you this year. Why don't you do something for somebody and really bless them this year and show the love of God into their lives. As we look at this new theme, our theme for the Christmas season is Christmas in crisis. And we're going to be looking at one portion of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I'm going to read that to you um, as we start the sermon today. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And that's Isaiah 9, verse 6, and you may be looking at that and reading that and listening to that and be saying to me, Nick, I have no clue why you would call this series Christmas in Crisis when we look at that portion of Scripture because there's nothing about that portion of Scripture that's about crisis. But when you start to look at Isaiah chapter all the way through from chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 9, we start to pick up a story. And I want to pick up the story in Isaiah chapter 8 and you'll understand why, we, why we're talking about crisis. Because in Isaiah chapter 8, we start to see that the prophet Isaiah who is speaking to the nation, the Word of God, he starts to prophesy to the nation in chapter 8 that there's this doom and this gloom coming because of their sin. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 7 to 8, Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And, and what, what, the, what Isaiah is prophesying is that there's going to come this nation, and it's going to be like a flood. It's going to be like waters that just rise, and they're going to overtake, and they're going to bring devastation uh, into the land. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep into Judah. It will overflow and pass on reaching even to the neck and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of the land O Emmanuel and you can see the imagery that the this uh, that that Isaiah the prophet is using he's using this imagery of this flood of this nation of that's coming to destroy and to judge them because of their sin and because of their, their rejection and rebellion towards God we see this picture of hopelessness and helplessness the Bible tells us there in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 21, what the people, the nation of Israel will be like as this flood of devastation and doom and gloom comes in. It says in verse 21, they will pass through the land. And it's talking about the people of Israel. And greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will enrage and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And so we see this picture of these people in crisis. 
Yes, it's crisis because of their own sin, but they were, they were in crisis, and it's important to understand that they were facing this, this huge challenge. There was devastation, there was doom, there was despair, there was darkness descending on the nation. But as we move into Isaiah chapter 9, we see God's response to them. And he says this in from verse 1, But there will be no gloom for who, her who, has, who was in anguish. The former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee and the nations. And we start to see that God's saying, yes, in the, in the past, in the time that you find yourself, there's doom and gloom. But I want to tell you there's a time coming. There's a time in the future where it's not going to be about doom and gloom. It's going to be a glorious time for you as a people. Verse 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Yes, they were in doom and they were gloom and they were darkness, but there's a light coming. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has a light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as the joy at the harvest, as they are glad with the divide of their spoil. And so we see the picture that, this, that the prophet is painting, that there's going to come a time where the light is going to shine on this nation in its crisis, and it's going to bring back the joy. It's going to bring back rejoicing. It's going to bring back, back gladness. It's going to bring back providence and provision back to the nation <coughs> for the yoke of his burden and the staff of, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For, and yeah, he says, what's the answer? What is the light? What is the turning point? What is the hope? For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we see that as we move from Isaiah chapter 8, where they were in crisis, we move into Isaiah chapter 9, where God says there's an answer and there's a hope to your crisis. He's coming and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He will bring light into your darkness. We see that God tells him that there is an answer coming, his son. And his son is going to be characterized with a couple of things. And there's four things that are mentioned during Isaiah. The first thing is that he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be able to advise you and lead you and guide you out of your crisis. He's going to be a mighty God. You know what he's going to be able to do? He's going to be able to come into the crisis and, and the darkness and the doom and the despair that you may face. And he will powerfully act on your behalf to lead you out of that crisis. He's an everlasting father who would love and care for you in the midst of your crisis. And the, the, the most amazing one is that he's a prince of peace. And that he will fill your life in peace even though you may be facing crisis. And so as we go into this Christmas season, there are many of us that are facing crisis. They're obviously because of the, the year that we've had. There might be a crisis in your finances. There might be a, a, cri a relational crisis. There might be a crisis in the fact that you can't find a job. It might be in a crisis simply that you need to make a decision in your life and you just don't know what to do. Whatever crisis it is that you may be facing, I want to say to you that God is saying to you exactly the same thing. That there is hope. 
because there's one who will shine light into the crisis and the darkness that you face and he will bring you hope and he will be your wonderful counselor and he will be your mighty God and he's going to be your father that loves and cares for you and he will be the prince of peace that brings peace into the crisis that you are facing. Let me read that portion of scripture again to you. For unto us, unto you, a child is born. To us, to you, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And you and I will know him as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, a prince of peace. I want to encourage you today that in your crisis there's somebody you can turn to other than your family and your friends and those that, that, that you respect in your life. But the person that you can turn to in your crisis right now is Jesus Christ. You know, we often look for help and the reason we turn to people is because we want them to help us. We go to people because in the storms of life, in the crisis that we're facing, we're looking for people to help us navigate through that so we get to the other side without shipwrecking our lives. And it's good to turn to people. It's good to ask for advice. But we know that, and you and I know, that sometimes you get good advice. I remember I was going through a particularly tough time in my life, and I used to have coffee with Rick Barrow, one of our elders, on a regular basis. He's ditched me, by the way. He's never, you know, only through the, only through the difficult times did he take me for coffee. But I remember asking him a question, because I had to make a decision. And I didn't know what to do, and I remember speaking to him about it. And he gave me advice, and I, it wasn't the easiest thing to do, in the t at, the, at the moment, but it was the right thing to do. And so I followed his advice, and I sit back a couple of years later, and I think, you know, I'm so glad that I followed his advice. It was good, godly advice that he had given me. But sometimes we get bad advice. We, I remember us going through uh, from a mission trip. We were on our way back home, and we were in the quantum. Myself and Bryce were, were in the front, and in the back was everybody else, and they were busy chatting because one of the people in the quantum was getting married soon. And so for about an hour, we were listening to all this marriage advice to this guy, and, he, and, and everybody was giving him marriage advice. And it dawned on myself and Bryce that everybody in the back there, none of them are married. And so we, we looked at each other, and we smiled, and we said, I'm not sure he's getting the best advice because the people who are advising him, none of them have been married and, so, and giving him marriage advice. And so sometimes we do. We, we get bad advice and it causes problems for our lives. But I want to say to you today that you can turn to Jesus. When you turn to Jesus, you're going to get the best advice for your life. The Bible says that if we cry out to him, Psalm 34, 17 to 20, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. I want to say to you, when you cry out to God for advice, when you cry out to Jesus for advice, he's going to hear you. He delivers them from their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And so we see here that God invites us to approach him when we are in trouble. And in your crisis, and you don't know what to do, the best thing for you to do today is to turn to Jesus Christ and ask him for counsel and ask him for advice and ask him for leading and ask him for guiding through the situation that you are facing today. You know, some, I was thinking about this story. You know, when you buy something, I just bought Elizabeth a watch uh, for Christmas. Now, if that watch wasn't working, I'd take it back to the store. 
inevitably I'd probably end up with one of the store assistants who would probably give me a long story about what I need to do to get this, this watch fixed. And it normally gets to a point where you say, well, can I speak to the manager? Can I speak to somebody who's in authority, who can make a decision, who can in fact help me? And so you call for the manager. And, and, and the reason you call for the manager is because you know if you're speaking to the manager, that's the person who can make a difference. Well, in your crisis today, why don't you call for the manager of the universe? Why don't you call for the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? The Bible tells us that he's all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. That he is before everything, and, and uh, everything starts with him, and everything ends with him. And here's the most important thing. The Bible says that you can cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And so I want to invite you today to turn to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. When we look at this term, wonderful counselor, it's important that you understand what it means. Because when I say wonderful, what does it mean to you? Well, when we use the term wonderful, it normally means nice. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. It's a nice thing. It's a good thing. You know? And so it's, a, it's quite a passive word, I think, in our vocabulary today. But when you start to look at the Hebrew word, yeah, you start to see that it's not this passive wonderful the way we use it today. This word, in fact, means a phenomenon that is lying outside of human explanation. It means that it's something that happens that we as human beings can't explain. It's a miracle. It means a marvel. It means it's wonder-filled. It's a wonder. It's something that is extraordinary and supernatural. Obviously, the word counselor is as we know it. It means to give advice. It means to give purpose. It means to give direction. And so when you bring these two words together and you start to see what the Bible means with wonderful counselor, it means when you get advice, it means when you get purpose, it means when you get counsel that is filled with wonder, filled with the supernatural, filled with the extraordinary, filled with so much, with, with, with action and power that we in our human um, understanding cannot explain. You may say to me, Nick, I'm not too sure how that works. I want to explain to you how that works. And I hope that, I really do hope Holy Spirit will, that will help us to understand this principle. You see, because when you're asking God for his counsel and for his help and for his direction and for his leading and his guidance in your crisis, God is going to respond to you. He's going to respond to you and he's going to speak into your crisis. And there's a couple of ways that God speaks, and we're going to get to that. But he's going to speak into your crisis. I want to say to you, when God speaks into your crisis, when he gives you this powerful counsel, it's not just normal words that he speaks. God speaks life-giving, miraculous, changing, powerful, wonderful words. You see, when God speaks into a situation, it change happens, life comes, power comes, miracles happen. The Bible tells us, and I want to give you just one example. Let me give you two examples. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, when you look at 2, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you start to see that when God's word speaks, all scripture, the word, when it speaks, it brings change. You see, it was a man who was unequipped becomes equipped. Change happens because of the word. Word. Another one is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be light. You know the story in the Bible tells us that right in the beginning of time, God spoke and He said, Let there be light. And there was light. And as light came, life came. 
And so when you look at these two portions of Scripture, you start to see just there's many, many more Scriptures, but these two, you start to see that when God speaks into something, power comes. And that's exactly what happens with the counsel of God. You see, that's why it's called supernatural. That's why the counsel of God is unexplainable to human explanation. We can't explain it. Because when God speaks into your circumstance, when you call on God and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your counsel. God, I need direction. And God speaks into that situation. Those words bring life. They bring power. They bring change. They bring a miracle into your crisis. That should excite you. It excites me. Example for me is when I was younger, there was a time where um, I, I had a very strange relationship with my dad. And uh, I didn't speak to him for about three years. And I was, remember sitting at, at, at one of our, uh, at the dining room table. And I was praying. It was a Saturday afternoon. And I was praying. And I was saying, God, I don't have the strength in myself to be able to go and chat to my dad and try and reconcile this. I'm not too sure how, how to do it, but I know it's wrong. And so I was praying for guidance. I was praying for God's wisdom. I was praying for God's counsel. What do I do? And I felt in the moment the Spirit of God say to me, tell your dad right now that you love him. I remember being so overwhelmed with that because I thought, now, we haven't spoken for three years. You know, I, don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I responded to the, the unction of, of the Holy Spirit, and I sent a message to my dad. I simply said, Dad, I love you. Ten seconds later, the phone rings, and the, 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 the story ends like this. From that moment, our relationship was restored. And so what I learned through that was that when I go to God, and God speaks into my situation. And I respond to how God speaks. He brings power. He brings restoration. He brings miracles. He brings change. And he brings life into the crisis that I was facing. You may say to me, Nick, how do I access this life-giving power of counsel that, that I can get from Jesus Christ? I want to say to you that there's three things that are important. They're so obvious. And I'm going to cover them very briefly. The first one is that you must be bold and confident in your approaching of God in your time of crisis. You may say, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to approach God in my time of crisis. But I, I want to say to you that I don't think it's that obvious. There's many of you watching today that are facing crisis, but you haven't even asked God to intervene. And there's reasons for that. We see in Isaiah chapter 8, three reasons why the people didn't approach God. The first one was, was in Isaiah 6, uh, I think it's um, 8 verse 9. It says here, because this people had refused the waters of Shiloh uh, that flowed gently, and they rejoice over Rezin and the son of Ramalia. And basically, that, that portion of Scripture says they, they, they rejected God and they followed the gods of the other nations. And it's because of their sin that they found themselves in crisis. It's because of their failure that they found themselves in crisis. And, and sometimes when it's because of our failure, because of our sin, because of our, our, our humanness, we find ourselves in crisis. And one of the things we think is that we can't approach God because we are unworthy, because we are at fault, because we are guilty. And so we stay away from God. Another reason that we see is Isaiah 8.21. It says this, and they will pass through the land, talking about the Israelites, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will enrage and will speak contemptuously, listen to this, against their God, uh, their king, and their God. 
and turn their faces upward. You see, this portion of Scripture tells us that their response in their crisis was they got angry with their king and they got angry with God. And so we do the same. We get angry with those who we think should help us who don't, and we get angry with God because we, 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 we ask ourselves questions like this. God, where are you in my time of need? God, how can you allow me to find myself in this space? How could you have allowed this into my life? Where are you when I need you the most? Do you even care? And so instead of approaching God, we, we, we get angry with God. Another reason that we see in Isaiah chapter 8 is that they seek worldly advice instead of seeking godly advice. Verse 22 says, and they will look to the earth, and but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. It starts off and says this, and they will look to the earth. Instead of looking to God to take them out of the crisis, they look to the world to take them out of the crisis. And so very, in chapter 8, we see three very real reasons why we struggle to approach God in our crisis. Because of our sin, because we don't feel worthy enough. Sometimes it's because we're angry with God and we're angry with people. And other times it's simply because we're just running to everybody else and we're running to this world system. And we got everybody on Instagram hoping that there's going to be a nugget of wisdom that will take you out of your crisis. And we forget that we can turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's a good reason why you and I can approach God. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 is telling us exactly the same thing as Isaiah chapter 9. You know, when you find yourself in crisis, there's a light in his name's Jesus Christ. And you can turn to him and you'll get wise counsel in your moment of crisis. The reason that you and I can turn to him with confidence is because the Bible says that he sympathizes with us. You know what it means to sympathize with somebody? It means that you feel what they feel. It means that when you, you're not going to have judgment and condemnation and rejection over them because you've understood what they're going through. I love watching biographies, documentaries about, and, and biographies. And sometimes I watch a biography of somebody that I, I don't know, obviously, but I don't like that much. And then when I watch that biography, my attitude changes towards them because I see what they've gone through in their life, the challenges they've faced, the reason they did the things they did. And I think God is saying to you and I the same thing. The reason that we can approach him is because he sympathizes with us. He has compassion of us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our humanness. humanness. He knows what you're struggling through. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows your frustration. He knows your disappointments. And he has compassion over you. And because of that, he tells us, because of his sympathy towards you, you can approach him with confidence and boldness. And there's two reasons, very briefly, why you and I can approach him with confidence and boldness. We can confidently go before him because he loves you. Because he cares for you. And confidently and boldly go before him because he actually could do something in your crisis for you. The other day, um, there was money stolen out of my bank account online and I remember struggling through it and speaking to, to a friend about it. And he, his response to me was this, Nick, my mom works at Absa. She's got a senior position. You know what? 
I'm, you just tell me, I'll speak to her, and she will be able to help you. And that made me think about approaching somebody with confidence. You know why he was confident and bold to say to me, Nick, my mother will help you? Because he knew that his mother would care enough to, to get involved, and he knew that his mother had the power enough to make a difference. And that's the God you serve. You know, God cares, and he has the power to make a difference. And that's why you and I can boldly come towards him. But another reason why we can boldly come towards him is because what we find when we come to God is grace and mercy. You know, we often think that what we find when we come to God is we're going to find rejection. We're going to find that God's going to be angry with you, disappointed with you. That God's not going to, well, he's going to dismiss you. But I want to say to you, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you and I approach God in our time of need, he, we find grace and we find mercy. Now mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. It's when, I want to tell you a story. A guy was, um, I saw it on Instagram the other day. He was stealing fruit. And the owner caught him. And the owner said to him, I should put you in prison because you're stealing from me. And the guy said to him, I'm very hungry. So he said to him, you know what, I'm not going to call the cops. Just don't steal from me. You see, that's mercy. He was merciful towards him. He deserved to go to prison for stealing. He deserved to, to face the wrath of the law because he was stealing. But the, but the owner decided to have mercy on him and didn't give him what he deserved. But then he extended grace to him. You see, grace is when you get what you don't deserve. You see, the guy said to him, come inside. He set a table for him. He let him sit at the table. He said, order a meal. I'll make it for you. Free of charge because you're hungry. And see, there's Grace. The man should have gone to prison, but what did he get? He, got, he was set free, but not only was he set free, but he got what he didn't deserve. He got a meal for free. And you see, the Bible tells us that's what God does to you and to me. When we approach him in our time of need, he's not going to reject you. He's not going to dismiss you. He's going to show you mercy. Might have even been your own fault. Might have been in your own lack of wisdom. Might have been your own stupidity that got you into this crisis. But you're going to find mercy with Jesus Christ. And you know what? You might think that God is just going to judge you and give you what you deserve. No. He'll give you what you don't deserve. And that is love, help in your time of need. I want to bring this to an end today by saying to you the, third, so the first thing was you approach God. The second thing is this, that you need to hear his counsel. God speaks in three ways. If you're going to ask God, God, give me, lead me, guide me, advise me, he's going to speak to you. And I'm just going to mention them because I don't have time today to go through them. But he's predominantly going to speak to you through his word. He's going to speak to you through the word of God. You're going to open your Bible. You're going to read. And as you read the word of God, in your moment of crisis, the word of God is going to speak to you about what you should do in your moment of crisis. It happened to me this week. I was reading through the book of Acts, as I said earlier, and there's something that's churning in my heart. And as I was reading, I got into a portion of Scripture. And as I read it, I felt the Spirit of God say, there's your answer. There's your answer, Nick. See, God counseled me through His Word as I was reading His Word. Get into the Word of God. Find God's counsel for your crisis in His Word. The second thing is God speaks to you through His Holy Spirit. You know that small voice, that still voice that's in your spirit? It's in your spirit. You just hear it. You know that that's God speaking. You know how I found how God leads me through his Holy Spirit? 
The other day, a while ago, I was, I was in my car, I had a big decision to make, and I just, God was silent. And I had to make that decision right there and then. And I said, God, what do I do? I stopped my car, pulled it to the side, and I said, God, I need to make a decision right now. I don't know what to do. And as I said that, a scripture came into my heart. It's like the small, still voice just said the scripture into my heart. And as that scripture came, and I said, there's the answer. Thank you, Lord, for your counsel. Thank you for your leading, and thank you for your guidance. Because that I'm going to do. I want to just warn you. The Spirit of God is always going to lead you to the Word of God. If you feel that the Spirit of God is speaking to you, but it's contrary to the Word of God, it's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will only confirm and affirm the Word. So you want to test if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, then all you need to do is say, is this what the Bible teaches? Because if the answer is yes, it's most likely the Spirit of God that's speaking to you. If the answer is no, it's not the, it's not the Spirit of God, because he'll never contradict the Word of God. The third thing is that you can speak to godly people. God speaks to godly people. Let me say to you, it's foolish to go to somebody who's not godly for godly advice. If you need advice in your life, go to somebody that is godly, that knows his word. There's two things you're looking for, from God, for in godly advice. The first thing is this. They must give you advice from the word of God. That, because the power to bring change into your circumstances, your situation, is going to come from the word of God, the speaking of God. And so when you go to somebody and say, please advise me, please help me, please counsel me, ask him to take you to the Bible. Ask him to tell you what the Bible says about your circumstance and your situation. The second thing is always great is to ask somebody who has got some experience in God in that area. I often would, if I have a financial question and advice, I go to a, a good friend of mine that I know has walked a, a long path with God around finances and has got a lot of wisdom around godly finance. He's one of the greatest guys to go and speak to about financial issues in your life. Because not only does he know what the word says, he's lived it himself and he can give me advice from the word and from his experience. I want to come to an end by saying that the most important thing is firstly to approach God, secondly to hear God, but thirdly that you must do what God is advising you to do. You see, there's only power in the counsel of God when you put it into practice. That's when the power comes. Obeying God and trusting God is important. You see, sometimes I think that we ask God for his view on things and his counsel on things because we just want to consider what, he said, what, what, what his counsel would be. And I would say to you that that's the wrong way to approach God. We should be approaching God for counsel and advice and leading and guiding in our crisis with this attitude, God, I want to hear you so I can do it. God, I want to hear you so I can put it into practice in my life. Because if you don't put it into practice, as I said before, there's no power. The power comes when you take the step of faith and you put into practice the Word of God into your crisis and into your situation and, 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 and um, into your challenge that you're facing today. You see, when I, we were coming back from Zambia one year. We, were, we had booked ourselves into a, uh, a kind of a, it was a B&B, I think. I don't know what it was. But on the way there, we were told that there was going to be a, a satanic um, conference at that, uh, at, at that hotel. And I remember myself and Brian speaking and saying, we just felt the Spirit of God say, we mustn't go there. But we'd already paid deposit and we were on our way home and we didn't have money. Anyway, we got to Palapaya and... Um, 
we didn't know what to do, and we were praying and saying, God, please lead us. Please guide us. Please give us wisdom. We're in a crisis here. We can't go home because we won't get through the border. We don't want to drive at night. And so, God, we don't know what to do because we don't have money for food. We don't have money for accommodation. Anyway, we felt led to go and stop at the, the wimpy there. And, and as we, we were there, we felt led again by the Spirit of God to speak to, to one of the ladies there. And you won't believe what happened. As we just followed the prompting and the leading of God, this lady, as we started to share with her what happened, said to us, you know what? I'm going to help you. You know what she did? She prepared a meal for us. It was the best meal we had in three weeks. Not only did she prepare a meal for us, but she gave us dessert, which we haven't had while we were in Zambia. And not only that, she spoke to her boss who owned a house in the town, and he gave it to us. We had 600 rand, and he said, you can have that place for 600 rand tonight. And there the power of God came and transformed our crisis and we were rejoicing and in awe of the power of God in and through our lives. So I want to conclude by saying to you this, that you may be facing a crisis this Christmas. Whatever that crisis may be, however big or small it may be. I hope to encourage you through the Spirit of God today that you can turn to the manager of the universe to help you and to guide you and to lead you through the crisis that you're facing. You see, the counsel he's going to give you, the advice that he's going to give you, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be miraculous. It's going to be the, the mighty and mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's going to bring peace and power and counsel into your life, into your circumstance. And this Christmas, why don't you approach God with boldness, with confidence? with the counsel that you need, because he is your wonderful counselor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I, I stand here in awe today, Lord, of just how faithful you are, how good you are, how kind you are to us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that as we, no matter what we're facing, Lord, that, that we can come to you boldly, because we're going to find mercy and grace at your throne, Lord. And, so, Father, I pray for all of us as we sometimes face crises in our lives and we don't know what to do and we're so quick to run to the, the wisdom of this world and we're so quick to sometimes get angry with you and we're so quick to think that we're not worthy enough, Lord. But I pray in Jesus' name that, to, that today we'll decide to run to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. And not only that, Lord, as you speak to us, Father, that we would hear you and that we would do it and let the power, your power just fill and resonate through every crisis that we face. For your glory, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a wonderful week. Join us tomorrow night at 7 o'clock um, for the prayer meeting. Don't forget, you can join us in service. You can also join us online, but we'd love for you to come and pray with us. We will love to be praying for you tomorrow night, so join us tomorrow night. Have a fantastic week.